Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word. God bless you. I love it. Let's get into the word today. And uh, just before I kind of fully launch into that, we had a big week. How many got to be here on Friday night over at San Marcos for the, 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 the showing of the 2000 Mules documentary? And um, how many have seen it, whether you were there that night or you just seen it? Can I just recommend watch it? it it's absolutely insane. And uh, I, I saw a news article, some of the first arrests and raids of, of those who were exposed from that is beginning to happen. It, it's quite extensive, the lengths, you know, the enemy goes to subvert truth and justice. But that's what he does. He's always a liar. He's always a distorter. And, but what we are contending for is the truth, right? And, and freedom. And this movie is just, it's unbelievable. It's because a lot of times, you know, like anything in the conspiracies of this last couple years, this was kind of one of those, you know, election integrity. Was 2020 a safe election? Was it, was it secure? All those types of things. And there was all kinds of, you know, pushback and censoring and you're blocked and you got the you can't post that on every social media account if you even hinted that there may have been. And this literally has video evidence of the most widespread fraud that literally changed the results of the election. So um, I highly recommend you uh, you watching that. You can buy a DVD if you still own a DVD player. Um, uh, I think it's in some theaters. I looked this morning. There's some showings in San Clemente tonight at 740 if you want to drive up there. Um, but I, someone was like, I need to see this film. I was like, do you have a DVD player? They said, no, we threw it out with the fax machine. And uh, I said, I know, same, same. I think you can buy plugins and such. Uh, uh, remember when you just thought, like, that'll never go out? You know what I mean? Like, when, when DVDs came, you're like, oh, man, this is what's up. You know what I mean? And then I remember the first laptop that came out without a DVD player. I was like, oh, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. This, this is going to be so annoying. Can you imagine not having a DVD player in my laptop to read a disc? I mean, oh, this was the dumbest idea they ever came up with. Now, now it's like, thank God I'm not wasting space in my computer with a useless DVD player. Although this is the one time I wish I had it, so, so I could watch that. But um, we engage these topics, right? We go after stuff. We're in this kind of whole series called Culture Clash. And, and wh why is that? It's because there is a there's a way in the culture the world that we live in, and then there's a way of the kingdom, and those two kingdoms or two cultures are often at odds with each other. Or I should say they should be, right? 
Um, like Pastor Jurgen says, if, if, if the, the way the church is and the way the world is is no different, we have a problem, right? Unless you have literally evangelized and discipled the entire planet, so now it looks the same, that's, that's different. But chances are until Jesus returns, we're probably not going to quite see that, right? We're going we're gonna to do as much as we can to extend, make disciples, you know, uh, you know, disciple people into the kingdom of God. But there's always going to be a tension, right, this side of eternity where there's a kingdom culture versus a worldly culture. And so we're going to continue to try to lean into those, those, those clashes, those areas where there's a conflict. And, you know, the Apostle Paul uh, would oftentimes highlight these types of things, right? The Apostle Paul was oftentimes, the, the letters to the churches were kind of like, hey, I hear this is going on. This isn't acceptable. <laughs> like, th- that's, that's how you used to live. That's the way of the world. But, but this is the culture of the kingdom right? And he would teach something new. He would combat issues that were going on. Even one time he's like, man, there's stuff going on in church that even the pagans are embarrassed by. Like y'all need to wake up church. Like that, that's what, like there's some dicey stuff. It's, it's always good. If you ever just wonder like, wow, the world has never been this bad. Just read the apostle Paul's letters. They're talking about like sleeping with your husband's, like your, your dad's wife. Like, like there's some weird stuff going on in the New Testament era, right? And he has to like challenge a lot of stuff. You're like, imagine the Apostle Paul, he's like in prison, like writing. He's like, this should go without saying, <laughs> but I guess I got to say it. Stop sleeping with your mother-in-law or whatever it is. Uh, I, I don't know. There's, there's just some... It should. These should be obvious. But he has to go after some stuff. So I want to talk about something today. Let me read a few verses out of 1 Corinthians 8 in the Amplified uh, Translation. And then we'll, we'll kind of jump into the title and the topic for the rest of the time here. Uh, 1 Corinthians 8 verse 1 says this, Now about food sacrifice to idols, we know that we all have knowledge concerning this. Knowledge alone makes people self-righteously arrogant. Amplified just going to hit us right in the face here. Heads up. This is going to slap. You know what I'm saying? Now, Kyler, he slapped because it was so good. This is just going to slap you. Okay, so it's a little different. It's a little different. <laughs> um. But love that unselfishly seeks the best for others builds up and encourages others to grow in wisdom. If anyone imagines that he knows and understands anything of divine matters without love, he has not yet known as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God with awe-filled reverence, obedience, and gratitude, he is known by him as his very own and is greatly loved. So there was a movie that came out a while ago that I do not recommend called Love Actually. And uh, so I'm just ripping off the title from that. That's, that's the only correlation to that movie. <laughs> because I thought the world oftentimes wants to talk about what love is, but I want to talk about what love actually is. 
right? I want to talk about love. Actually, I want to talk about what it really is. What does it mean to love God? What does it mean for God to love me? What does that look like? And I want to talk about some of sort of the cultural differences to the world to now in this context. This isn't necessarily a relationship or a dating or a marriage message. I want to talk about love in kind of a a broader term and try to bring some clarity to it because the Apostle Paul is leaning into kind of what does love really look like and how does it walk out in our in our lives? And I want to just remind us that love is, and how the Apostle Paul kind of leans into it here, is, is not just a feeling that we feel towards people, right? It's not just a thought. It's not just an idea. It's not just an emotion. It's always an action. It's always, the, the Bible actually says to walk in the way of love, right? The Love is more of a way we live than just a, a, a feeling that's in us, right? There are emotions where we are in love or there's an emotion or a feeling, but the, when you really dig into when Jesus and, and when God's word is calling us to love, it's calling us to a, to a way of living more than just a way of feeling. Does that make sense? And, and so love always carries action with it. Godly love. True love always has action wrapped up in it. So that you can never just come and say, man, I love somebody, but I, but I don't have actions that back it up, right? Um, th- this is always a great growing part of Katie and I's marriage because I love, I may, when you talk about the love languages, I'm a words of affirmation. So I can say, I love you all day long. And I, and I try to as much as possible, right? I love you. I love you. You're beautiful. I love you. I love you. Eh, that only goes so far, right? The old, I, I thought maybe if I just say I love you enough, it overrides not doing anything. But apparently that doesn't, that doesn't work. We're just working on some real life marriage issues from the stage here, okay? So she'd be like, I want to. I want to. I want to see it. I wanna, show me, right? Like, pick up after yourself would be a good start. <laughs> we had a great. We had a great. Okay, ladies, simmer down. This wasn't your moment to get crazy. All right, this is backfiring. Last night, uh, as real as last night, we were having some fun with this topic. So I just wanted to publicly say that I love my wife. And uh, I'm going to do some chores this afternoon and prove that. But love contains action with it. Always. Always. Um, love without, without actions, it's false. It's a fake love, right? It's, it's flattery. It's lip service, right? So the, the concept of love and how God calls us to love is that His is, is it's always going to take uh, there's always going to be movement. There's always going to be works that are connected to that. Okay, so let me tell you, talk a couple things around 
um, love that the Bible speaks to us about. The first thing is that God, how God loves, and then we'll talk about how we love. But first, God shows us love by giving us commands that bring us life. So this is kind of unique and often can be counterculture because the world would kind of say that, hey, if you love me, don't judge me, don't tell me I'm wrong, don't ever confront me, don't challenge me. Real love is to do whatever I want. And oh man, you got a God who has rules and regulations on you and Ten Commandments and things you're supposed to follow. Oh no, no, no. I, I, I'm not, I'm not living under some type of restricted, you know, kind of dictator God up in heaven that's putting rules on me. Man, real, real love is to just allow me to be whoever I want to be, whenever I want to be it. Love is love. There's no restrictions on it, right? It can be anything. And I was thinking about that. The problem with building a society where anything goes is that everything will go. It it absolutely will. And and this is one of the things that I even try to challenge a lot of times when we're engaging kind of the political spheres that, that that we find ourselves in in this season is that a lot of times even maybe uh, a lot of Christians might try to really rally around a, a general kind of like um, complete freedom mindset like in a, in a nation like America where it's like, hey, no one should ever tell me what to do. And, and that concept is partly true that, that a government should not be able to um, mess with my God-given rights but Christianity is not about just doing whatever you want to do, right? Fundamentally, being a follower of Christ means that there are some things I say yes to, and there are some things that I cannot do, right, that I don't do, right? And the founders of this nation did not have the mindset of, we're going to build a country where you're free to do whatever you want to do. You're free to do what's right. You're free to follow God's ways, That's how America was founded on the fundamental principles, right? But it's the same thing with our life when we're building our life. Freedom in Christ or being free and and unrestricted is not about just doing whatever I feel like doing whenever I feel like doing it, right? Because that's actually what the Satanic Bible teaches. Do what you will, right? That's, that's the mode of a humanistic secular culture that just tries to get you to believe you should just be able to do whatever you want, however you want to do it, at any given time. But God loves us so much that he actually created boundaries and guardrails and commandments, right? The Ten Commandments. Pastor Michaela preached a message a few weeks back on the Ten Commandments. It was so good. And, and the Ten Commandments are not given to you because he hates you, because he's a killjoy. It's because he loves you. So God actually shows us love by applying restrictions, by applying guardrails, by calling us to live a life of boundaries. Psalm 119, let me read a few verses here. It says, I run... This is David. I run in the path of your commands, for you have broadened my understanding. So God's commands actually give me room to run. Because I can run securely. I know my path. I know what's right. I got a sure footing, 
right? I can run. When, when I know God's ways, when I know his principles that are going to bring life to me, I can run on that path, right? Amen. And then I'm going to skip to verse 90 of that same chapter. It says this, your faithfulness continues through all generations. You establish the earth and it endures. Your laws endure to this day. For all things serve you. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have preserved my life. Save me, for I am yours. I have sought out your precepts. The wicked are waiting to destroy me, but I will ponder your statutes. To all perfection I see a limit, but your commands are boundless. I love that. I love that. The love of God is unlimited and unending without bounds, but his love for us actually calls him to put boundaries into our world that actually preserve our life. So when we read the word, you shouldn't think like, oh man, this is going to be some rule book that's trying to you know, mess with the fun I want to have in life. No, no, no. God's word allows me to enjoy my life fully, right? To give me peace, right? Some of you guys agree. That's okay. We'll get there. Now, it's, uh, it, it is one of those things where um, we, we can see is if, if you're a parent or maybe worked with a young child, if you don't have kids yet in here, you can see this pretty easily, right? When this was like uh, Saturday, there was different sports and, and uh, parties and different events going on. And so at, as normally in each of those events, there's going to be sugar-related items that are being served to children, right? And, uh, and I appreciate a good sugary delight. You know what I'm saying? I've never called a dessert that in my entire life, but I was feeling Chronicles of Narnia, Heidi. I was getting poetic. Turkish delights. Okay, um, so I love I love dessert. Don't get me started. Honestly, pazookis. I'll, I'll get I'll get going on those all day. Actually, I'm trying to stay dialed right now. I've lost like 11 pounds. I'm trying to get ready for marriage retreat. I'm on that supreme life. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so. Please don't do this, but one time I talked about Pazookis, and about four people bought me one. And, uh, yeah, Lindsay, you were one of them. Thank you. It was like at a staff meeting, and then by lunchtime, I was served all these Pazookis, and it was awesome, and, uh, but I can't do that right now, so please don't save that for after a marriage retreat, okay? Just kidding. I'm staying strong, babe. Okay. Um, but the, the, the truth is... They're, you know, my daughter's getting, you know, some snack at the soccer game. And then it's a, you know, there's going to be a dessert here. And then at some point we have to say, hey, um, no, you can't have that. What? What? No, no, yeah, you already had a cupcake. It's pretty big. Uh, and then you had like this like Gatorade sugar soda thing, basically. And but, what? Like... Like, for a child, when you're being told you can't have sugar, you think, you're the worst parents ever. 
Like literally, I think we asked them, we're like, what would you do if you were a parent? And this, this usually backfires when you try to like role play with a child while they're still a child. Like, hey, hey, eight and 10 or 10 and 12 year old. If you were a parent, which you have no ability to imagine, and you had a child who asked you for more sugar, what would you say to them? Uh, Mercedes literally says, this is great. Oh, Coco Chanel's here. She's going to pass on the, she's going to pass on this insider trading information. Uh, but she literally says, well, I'd be a fun parent, so I'd say yes to sugar. <laughs> but I think that's the way sometimes we kind of engage with God a little bit and go like, well, I know God says I like, don't do that, but I'm kind of like, uh, I'd be a fun God if I was a God. So I say yes to all. Do whatever you want. Have it all, right? And our society tries to pitch that type of ideology to us, that real love, and if a God really was good, and if he really loved you, he would never put any restrictions ever on you. But we know from a very simple, natural, practical standpoint, if I actually love my kid, there are things I'm going to say yes to, and there's things I'm going to say no to, right? And that's love. That's what love is. Love has boundaries. Love says no. Love puts guardrails, right, around the things that it loves. So it's, it's why I think when it's the best, like, visual when you're talking about sex before marriage is the fire outside of the fireplace kind of a deal, right? It, when fire is in the fireplace, it warms the home, right? If it's, not, if it's not in the fireplace, it burns the house down, right? So it's boundaries. It's context. It's, it's God saying, I love you so much. I'm going to create some boundaries for you that actually cause you to thrive, that actually cause you to live and to have everything that God wants for you. Amen? So when the world is trying to say real love is anything goes, just understand that is a, that is a, a false narrative. It's self-destructive narrative. It literally is a self-imploding reality, hence why America is where it's at right now right? So we need to keep fighting not just for freedom to do whatever. We need to keep fighting for truth, right? That's, that's where in this last kind of chaos of social, political dramas and conversations, I've come to realize that I'm less just like a freedom lover as, a, as much as I am a truth lover, right? Because truth will produce freedom. But no boundaries, anything goes, will not always produce actual freedom. It actually ends up becoming temporary freedom that leads to bondage and destruction in our life. Amen? Amen. All right, so first is that God shows us that he loves us by providing boundaries and guardrails and, and principles. And then for us, we show God that we love him by living in obedience and gratefulness. Right when, when I was, oh boy, technology, watch out, loading, okay, um, good thing I've got it all memorized, you know, in my heart, in the Bible, um, so, so 
he, he talks about loving God is that if anyone loves God with awe-filled reverence, obedience, and gratitude. So he begins to describe, again, like I said before, that love is going to bring action with it, right? That I can't say that I love God and then not live in a way that shows that that displays that, that lives that out. That's the same thing in culture, right? Where it's like, oh man, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. And then you start checking their, the way they talk, what they post about, what they stand up for, what they don't. And you're like, okay, there's something inconsistent about what you're saying versus what you're, you're doing, right? Now, none of us are perfect. We're all on this journey of being transformed, right? So there's no expectation that any of us as a follower of Christ have got it all worked out. Even the Apostle Paul says, listen, I haven't attained it all, but I'm heading in the right direction. You know what I'm saying? So that's how we all want to be. We, we all got process. We all got journey. We all got things we're working on. Maybe things we're overcoming, uh, you know, sin or addiction that has maybe tried to grip us that we're breaking free from and we're going to walk in victory. We're going to walk in freedom. Amazing. I love all that. But we need to have an understanding that it's not okay to, to live a life where I try to accept both realities of claiming Christ, but, but desiring to do none of the actual living out of showing Jesus that I actually love him. Right? It's, it's how we must be called to live. I, I remember when... Um, when uh, Biden first uh, was put into office, was bought and put into office, um, I, I got asked to, to do a Newsmax interview around um, the March for Life season, right? And so I jumped on there and the anchor says to me, hey, you know, Biden is a confessing Catholic or a professing Catholic. And... Um, you know, what do you think about that? But he's pro-abortion, this whole thing. And my instinctive response was like, uh, well, I don't care what you're professing. You're not a, he's not a professing anything if he is also claiming this pro-abortion stance, right? You can, you can say you're anything. And people do these days, right? Like, you can say you're anything. But if you claim Christ, you cannot claim pro-choice. You can't do the two. You can't do it. And again, that's not always popular teaching in our world today, which is why this theme is culture clash. But we cannot be, we cannot have any level of ambiguity when it comes to our stance on life and defending the helpless and the infant and the babies. We cannot, we cannot hold an ounce of that back, right? We have grace for everybody involved in that process. It's a completely distorted and, and confused and the narratives that are being spit at, at people constantly to normalize it is so pervasive that many times people get down that track being so confused and we need to extend grace, love, and mercy to help uh, people who have, who have engaged in an abortion, right? The, the mom or the, or the dad that are, were a part of kind of going along with it because 
we, we've, just, we've just pumped lies, right, into a culture for so long that it seems normal to them, but we can't back up still from speaking the truth and trying to rescue people. It's why most of the time when an um, expecting mom sees an ultrasound of that child, they usually choose not to abort because they're taught so much that it's not real. It's just, a, it's just tissue. It just, it just cells. It's not really a baby yet, so it's fine. But when they see this little human kicking and moving and, and taking shape, it's like it changes the game because people are smart. They realize that's, that's a human. This is not no longer a clump of cells, right? And, uh, and so I brought that up to, to say that if, if I'm going to say I follow Christ, then I need to live in a way that follows Christ. You know what I'm saying? And we go after that. We pursue that. Um, following and obeying God is actually central to claiming Christianity. Right? Because in the New Testament, they would see the disciples and go, man, you guys remind me of somebody. Jesus. Right? Your courage, your actions, your faith, your miracles. Right? Like, uh, there's something about you guys that reminds me of somebody else. And they're like, man, you guys have been with Jesus. We can see that on you. There's a difference on you, how you speak, how you live, how you act, right? And for every single one of us, as we're following Christ, the way that we display love for God is that we begin to live like this passage is teaching us, that love is not just some feeling, but it's actually awe-filled, obedient, and grateful, right? It's awe-filled, it's reverent, it's obedient, and it's grateful. You, you know, uh, the Bible says, if you love me, obey my commands. The Bible says, if you claim to love me, but hate your neighbor, the truth isn't in you, right? So there's this, there's this conjunction with what I confess and what I live that God is calling us to. And that's where the power is. That's where the power is. That, that's where the strength is. So how do we love God? First is awe-filled reverence towards Him. And... There's a lot you could dig into kind of each of these, but I would just say that to me, that kind of leans into seeing God and his word as putting it and revering it at the highest level. Above every other word, above every other statement or, or, or common knowledge and culture, God's word, I'm gonna revere God and his truth as preeminent and supreme in my life. And then obedient. Right, I'm going to follow his commands. You, you know, I think th this is one of those messages that in one sense we can all amen, but then every single one of us have also probably got some areas, myself included, we're going, okay, is there some areas in my life where I have claimed Christ, but I'm not really living it out? You know what I mean? Areas where I know. I'm thankful God doesn't tell us all of our issues all at once. Are you thankful for that? Right? I'm thankful for that, right? It's like he deals with us in layers. And we need to have grace for each other in layers too, right? Right? And if you've been following Christ like I have for decades, I better have a few layers deeper than the new believer. And so I can't treat the new believer with the same level of like, man, what's up? Why are you still thinking that way, acting that way? It's like, hey, simmer down. God's got them on a journey of maturing, and being transformed and growing in their faith, right? 
So we want to have grace for each other. But at the same time, grace for each other doesn't mean, hey, don't judge me. I'm on a journey. Okay, don't, don't do that. Don't use my words in the wrong way. Invite people into your space and say, help me walk this out. I want to live for Christ. I want to do what's right. I want to honor God. And man, hey, that's uncomfortable. You called me out on my stuff. But you know what? I need somebody who cares about me enough to call it like it is and help me walk this out. Right? And so we all got to search our heart and, and ask, okay, God, any area right now, where I, I know I'm off track because you've been talking to me and these messages keep hitting it and some mentor keeps bringing it up and that one random Instagram video I, I happen to click on is also talking about, okay, God's probably saying something, okay? <laughs> He's saying something, right? He's trying to put his, his finger on an area. And why? Because he loves you. Why, why is the Bible calling you to obedience in a specific area? Because he loves you, Right? Anytime the word of God kind of kind of hits you and you're like, because ah, he loves you, right? The Bible says the wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy, right? So the Bible is going to pierce, the Bible says it's like a sword that pierces into our hearts, gets right to the core of the matter. And you know what? That piercing can hurt a little bit. You know what I mean? It cuts in. It's like, oh, ooh, it's uncomfortable. But God always does it for the purpose of healing. Because that means that he's piercing into some part of your soul, your heart, your mind, your emotions that's off, that is distorted, that's infected, right? Uh, There's a wound there that he's healing up. But there's going to be an initial, usually, season of pain because God is having to cut something out. God's having to make an incision to ultimately be able to bring the greatest healing, right? But when I'm obedient to God, I find that I have, I walk in his commands. I I walk in favor and goodness and blessing ultimately because God's plans are for your good. That's always where he's leading. And you might be like, man, I just, I got all this stuff and I keep feeling, you know, a lot of times some people come in, they come to church initially, it's like they just sob because God's like healing parts. Some people come in, they're pissed off because, like, messages keep, like, poking on stuff, right? Whether you're crying or angry right now, <laughs> we've all been there. This is, this, this, is, this is God's goodness that he's taking you on a journey of healing and challenging us and calling us out on stuff. And nobody likes to be called out, but it's always for our benefit when it's God. There, we, maybe we've had people in our world who have called out stuff purely to mock or hurt or embarrass. That's not, that's not God's way, right? Just like a good parent, when they're disciplining their kid, they don't do it to embarrass their child in some public setting to shame them. You're going to do your best to speak directly to your kid, to even sometimes too, like, hey, let me separate our two girls because my one daughter doesn't need to overhear me like what I'm calling her out on. The, the, other, the, the other daughter doesn't need that, right? So I'm going to do my best. Sometimes uh, you do because you're like teaching while you're disciplining, you know what I'm saying? So there's a little bit of both of that. But a lot of times if it's major, you're going to pull them aside and you're going to have a conversation because you care about them, right? So that's the same thing the way God deals with us. Because even like right now in a room like this, you might feel like, 
I wish you would stop preaching because I feel like God is just talking to me about some specific thing. I guarantee you, a lot of us feel like that right now. Because God uses his word. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, uses his word. He brings things to memory. He, he reminds us of things. And it's like the word of God then becomes the, the healing balm, if you will, the, the, the medicine that God uses. The Holy Spirit takes the word and begins to apply it to our life. Brings healing and transformation and strength and courage. Amen? Amen. And then the last thing is to live grateful. Gratefulness is, is one of the great defensive weapons we have against the enemy, right? We stay full of thankfulness and appreciation for the goodness of God, and it has a way of insulating us from the enemy's attacks because he's always going to try to come in around bitterness, resentment, offense. Some of those weapons are his deadliest tools of the enemy, but gratefulness and thankfulness and appreciation for those around us and for what God has done allows us to defend against those, those enemies that try to attack us. Amen. If you receive something, give God a hand clap for that. Why don't you stand to your feet? Are we still friends? <laughs> That's a question I ask my wife after we've been in a fight and try to work it out. We still friends? We still good? All right. Let's, we can do this. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully more than friends. Hello. <laughs> different message. Different message. Um, uh, I, I, I love God's word. And even when it calls me out, I, it, it hurts, but it's like, I, I, need, I need his truth. It's like David would talk about it. He would say, man, your word is life to me. The scriptures we just read in Psalm 119. One of the, my favorite visuals that he, he gives, is, he says the unfolding, right? So the opening of the Bible or the unfolding of your word brings light. It's like lights are off, lights are on right? Uh, it's dark. I'm confused. I don't know what's going on. I got clarity. I can see. I know where I'm going, right? That, this, is, this is that. The more I keep this open, the more I keep this coming to my life, it floods light, floods health, floods peace into my soul. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, why don't you just lift up your hands? I want to just pray over every single one of us. Father, I thank you for your word and for any surgery that you're doing in our hearts right now. All of us are different places with you. You're working on different things in each and every one of us. God, help us have grace for each other on the journey of being like you and being discipled and being transformed. Help us to be the biggest cheerleaders of each other's journey towards faithfulness and obedience and life and wholeness. But God, I pray that you'd speak to us. What, what area today that you're highlighting, that we know is just not congruent with your word. Holy Spirit, I ask you, give us strength to obey. Give us a conviction to make that shift, to get rid of that thing, to, to step into obedience and to live in the favor and the grace and the goodness that you've called us to. And God, I ask that as each and every one of them 
identify maybe an area and they begin to walk that out, I pray, God, that you would just show up as you do with such strength and mercy and just affirm your goodness as they begin to put your word first, put you first, honor you. God, let us love you with reverence, obedience, and thankfulness, God. We're so grateful for you. You have been good to us. Thank you for the the family and friends you brought into our world. Thank you for our pastors and leaders that you've given us. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you, God, for your favor. We continue to walk in that spirit of gratefulness in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You know, while everybody's head's still bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask this question before we head out today. It's a question about your relationship with God, right? God created us, loved us. Sin created this separation, but God wasn't about that. So he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross. And why he did that is because there was a debt for our sin that had to be paid. Nobody could pay it. Only perfection could pay it. Only perfection could cover it. And that was Jesus, the perfect son of God. And when he died on the cross, he completely eliminated the debt, paid it off, paid it free and clear, and now we're able to come to him. All we have to do is say, Jesus, yes to you, yes to following you, yes to living for you. You're the leader and the Lord of my life. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand if you say, man, that's, you're talking to me. I've not yet made that decision. Maybe, maybe you've you're newer to church. Maybe you've come to church for a long time, but you've never yet made the decision to say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. In a moment, I'm going to have you lift up your hand and say, pray with me. Or maybe you've done that in the past, but maybe you just feel like you've been away from God, and this is your moment of kind of fresh recommitment to say, Jesus, I'm all in. I'm following you. I'm sort of coming home. I'm maybe prodigal type of vibes that you're, you're feeling around that, but you're just like, man, today's the day. I need to reaffirm my faith in Jesus and, and my allegiance to following him. If that's you, either one of those, say maybe for the first time or really as a recommitment to your relationship with Jesus, and the count of three, I just want you to boldly lift up your hand. Let me pray with you. One, two, three, just lift up your hand around the room. Great. Awesome. Great. Awesome. Awesome. Amazing. Anybody else? Say, that's me. Three or four of you guys so far. Anybody else? I want to give you one more moment. If you say, that's me, I want to pray with you. So good. Proud of you guys. What an amazing day this is. Here's what we're going to do. We're all going to pray together. And those of you who just raise your hand, or maybe you're about to, I want you to pray this just with courage and conviction, knowing that he loves you. And then we're going to have an opportunity to get you a gift and, and pray with you. But church, would you repeat this after me along with those who just raised their hand, this prayer of salvation, this prayer of commitment to Jesus. Say this. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sin and raising Him from the dead to give me life. Today, I choose to turn from my old way and follow you with all my heart for the rest of my life. Holy Spirit, fill me up. Empower me to do your will. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, 
For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.